Hello and welcome to SME TV. Wouldn't it be great if you could predict what your customers will think, do, want and need into the future and then work out the best strategies for success? Well, just in case you can't do all those things, and let's face it, most of us can't, I happen to know someone who can. My guest today is the award-winning creative director, Stella Giannato, who is literally the brand guru. Now, Stella's insights on branding, marketing, and consumer behavior are very keenly sought after, and she's received multiple business awards, including Best Designer, Best Design House, and Best Brand Agency in Sydney in 2019. Welcome, Stella. Hello, Angela. Thank you for having me. Not at all. Thank you very much for joining us on SME TV. We know, we know, Stella, that most people are at a complete loss when it comes to how to translate their brand, how to build their brand, and more importantly, the resilience that's required in a brand. And we couldn't have a better example than the last two years. Well, the last two years has certainly set the cat amongst the pigeons and it has been a really rough trot. Now, we hear in the media a lot, it's been rough for retailers, but it's actually been rough for small business, business in general around the world. We were thrown into a baptism of fire into digital. We had retail environments shut down. We had restrictions and lockdowns imposed on us. And that really changed the behaviour of consumers, how we shop, how we want to shop, and just our behaviour in general in terms of how we now want to interact not only with one another, but with the brands that we know and that we trust and that we buy from. Just to put some context uh, for our audience, Stella, now you've had more than 25 years of experience in the industry and... You've delivered over a thousand brands globally as a creative director behind Brands for Brands. Yes. So it, there's a little there's a little bit of wiggle room in there. I'm sure you've got 25 more good years to go. But that level oh, of experience, you've you've seen it all. You've seen from the global financial crisis right through to COVID, the ups and downs globally. What's happening with brands? And as we've you know we've talked about this before on how brands need to evolve, but. What's trending right now is that brand hybridization. That's correct. And let's not forget too that in amongst the financial and economic markets that we've had in the last 25 years, there's always new and emerging technologies. There's new and emerging systemizations and methods to scale up. And in addition to that, there's also been new generations that come in. But essentially we've now arrived at this point where it's called brand hybridization. And simply put, what that means is that brands need to show to consumers how they are evolving as a brand and as a business and how they are involving the consumer to be part of that. And that's a very tricky thing to do because let's not forget the balance of power has now shifted to the consumer. And some might say, well, we've always had consumer demand. No, not like this. We've got it on an unprecedented level that we now have consumer insistence. They want you, your brand, to meet the consumer where they at, when they are at, and where they are at in terms of when and where and how they want to shop. Is this the digital world that's brought this about, Stella? The the fact that um, there's that insistence by the consumer now. Well, digital has one thing, digital played one part in that 
situation. But really, it's actually the consumer that has arrived at this decision. And that's because of their behaviour. So if we look at the last two years, we had two years as a consumer, as an individual, to look at ourselves and decide what's really important. Do I really want to go into a retail environment to shop? Or do I want the retail environment to come to me digitally right at my doorstep? And when you're given that option, it really changes the way that people think of retail, think of brands, and it changes the way that they want to interact with them. So do you think, though, that one of the issues that's facing brands is that they haven't identified that the weight of their marketing, the weight of their branding needs to reside and favour the consumer? Do you think the brands are still very narrow focused in thinking, well, this is how we do it and this is what we want? Yes, so what's happened is brands have actually gone right back to what they were doing before and they've been shifted from what was traditionally just a bricks and mortar model and then thrust into a digital model when we had uh, the restrictions and lockdowns and they've gone back assuming that the bricks and mortar model is the way to go. But instead, we want a hybrid model, which is basically a foot in both camps. But the brands that actually are doing it really well have gone right back to the beginning. So they're not talking about their why, they're actually going back to the brand story. They're communicating to the consumer, this is who we are, this is where we've begun, this is why we're doing what we're doing, and we want you to be part of that now. So you've, you've, I mean, you and I have talked about this so many times when it comes to your why. Yeah. And, and almost every business coach or life coach, etc., is always talking to you about what's your why? Why are you doing this? And people, I think brands and business owners forget that their brand or their product also needs to have a why. Not just why they got into business, but mm. why the brand exists. And they're hesitant yeah. about telling that story. They are hesitant about telling that story, generally because we've all heard or seen the famous talk by Simon Sinek as to why. People don't buy what you bought. People don't buy from what you offer. They buy from you because of why you do that. But essentially now, everybody has the same why. So we've become clones of one another and we've started to dilute what it is that we're really doing. So beyond the why, Many brands have actually gone back to telling their story, why they started, why they do what they do. And they're telling their story to say, right, well, we created this because we have a purpose in mind or we have a social impact project or we're doing this because we want to be more inclusive or because we wanted to be a lot more diverse or we saw a need in the market. One of the brands in Australia that's starting to do that and doing that very, very well is Michael Hill Jewelers going back to the very beginning and telling the story of how Michael met Janet. Um, not a single word about jewellery, not a single sell, nothing to do with a discount, simply to talk about how they started and why it, they started. It's very poignant, that story, that and that you bring up Michael Hill. If you go into a Michael Hill jewellers, um, you'll see that there's a whole range that his wife designs. Um, mm. Janet and and it tells little stories about I mean that, that's why I bought um, essentially quite a few pieces because of the story behind the piece of jewelry and what the significance of it is and what it means you know they've they've got an infinity range um, and and it's forever and it explains why it was designed that way and you you're right I mean this was a number of years ago they were already doing that and now they've sort of told the story about how essentially the parents met 
and fell in love. And it's it's really beautiful. That's right. And the reason that a lot of brands are now starting to go back to tell their brand story is because each one is unique. It's authentic. And it's a beautiful way to communicate because from a young age, we're used to the art of storytelling. That's how we learned through our parents teaching us to read and through us as individuals learning to read. So it's very hard to duplicate or to copy somebody else's brand story because it's unique to them. And that transcends the general why because when a you, lot of the same why. When but, you present, Stella, and I know that you do a lot of um, speaking events, etc., because uh, you're a subject matter expert, um, particularly in branding, but you often say that your brand story can't be copied. Correct. Correct. You know, because it goes forward. right back to the core. Yes, it goes right back to the core. The core anatomy of the brand, who they are, how they walk, how they talk, and what do they wear when it comes to their marketing. And if you look at us as individuals, there's no two DNA that is ever identical. And brands shouldn't be typecast into a particular type or a particular archetype or, or, or version, um, which is why brands have gone back to tell their brand story, because it's and, original, unique. I mean, we've always heard in the back of our minds or, you know, marketing 101, what's your point of difference? Yes. And usually that's been in, in the actual product. We focused on point of difference in the actual product. It might be because it's made somewhere or or the content, cotton versus polyester content of something, etc. What we haven't, I guess, looked at as a brand or a business owner is what sets us apart in our brand story from everybody yes. else. And therein lies the difference because consumers today expect a point of differentiation. So it's no longer a point of differentiation. It is a commonplace and expected. So when a brand actually communicates their brand story and explains not only the why, but beyond the why, um, and actually communicates that in such a way that resonates with the heart, with the minds and the hip pocket of the consumer, essentially what a brand then does is they create distinction, that it doesn't matter what they do or how they do it, they have a loyal customer following that they have cemented that comes back time and time again, even if there is a new entrant, a competitor that is doing it cheaper or more cost-effectively or faster, they will still invest in your brand. You mentioned, Stella, about businesses showcasing whether they're a social impact, what they're producing, whether they're diversity-focused, etc. cetera. Uh, yes. Businesses haven't just started doing that now. They've been doing that for a long time, but they've only just started telling that story about what they're doing now. And that's correct. And that's because the younger generations that are coming through, the X and the Y generation that we loosely know as the millennials, that's very important to them. In fact, it's so important that they rank it as one of the top three things that they will consider when they purchase from your brand. It was something that wasn't so obviously communicated to, say, the uh, X generation or baby boomers, but it's being brought into the fore because of the younger generation. Now, We've touched on it very early on, but generational marketing, mm. what and what the data says about each segment and what brands yes. are ignoring. So let's, let's touch on generational marketing. So generational marketing is more obvious now than it was 10, 15, even 25 years ago. And if we consider the age gap between a baby boomer and a millennial, that's 50 years of difference. So no longer do brands have to have multiple marketing messages 
they need to have one strong brand message that is communicated through the brand story and they need to communicate that multiple ways to the different generations. For example, every generation has had a major technology influence. So baby boomers grew up with television as their major media influence. And millennials grew up with the internet and devices as their major media influences. So a baby boomer will respond to an advertisement online, but a millennial will not. A millennial will only respond to uh, social proof, either through a referral or a review or an influencer showing that they're using that product or that service. So that's what we mean by generational marketing. It's been around for a long time, but again, it's been brought into the light because of the younger generations and how they consume content and what they do in terms of how they react and respond to brands. So for instance, if there are some products in the world that are geared specifically for one gender, whichever one that is, that doesn't mean that it can only be delivered one way because within that gender, if, especially if you've got a product that appeals or is going to be used by young women or girls, young women and then older women, older women again, you have to have a different way of producing a message that will cross over all those generations across the platforms and the ways they consume their messages. Yes, and to add a little bit more colour to that palette, we also have what's called omni-channel. So many different ways that we can communicate online and offline that also needs to be considered for each of the different generations. It's interesting because we've, you know, omni-channel is used, has been used for years. It's not a, a newer phrase, but it's no. never been as relevant as it is now. Correct. Um, we and used the to, I think that, omni-channel, we used to say like, you know, radio, TV, print, and that was it. Now suddenly it's, you know, not, not that much of print, but a hell of a lot more of everything else because unless you're using TikTok and Instagram, you're not omni-channel. No, that's correct. So we have social media and we have many, many different channels on social media. We also have the dimension of videos such as YouTube um, and the way that we actually stream our content via subscription membership or on demand. So we've also got those channels to contend with in our marketing mix now. So it really opens up the world. You can be a local player, but actually play on a global marketplace. Now, just before we run out of time, I want to touch on evolution. Um, that some brands have actually missed it. Yes. Can you give us some examples there of, of what's going on there? How, how has a brand missed evolution? So some of the brands that have missed it um, literally were, uh, what, how shall I say, they ostrich, they put their head in the sand, they buried themselves during the pandemic. They didn't show any relevancy. They were tone deaf to what the sentiments of the consumer was, and they sent out marketing that was completely irrelevant. For so example, they were either in denial or they were happy to just take the hit? Correct. And it was. It depends on how big the organisation was and how many, I suppose, financial assets they had so that they could weather the storm, essentially. Um, but also to consider that during that time as well, the way that we communicate with one another also radically shifted. Um, we expect personalization. We expect emails and digital marketing to be completely customized to what we want and how we want it. Amazon is amazing at doing that. Um, and other retailers such as Target and Kmart are becoming great at it. But the brands that have continued to 
go back to the way things were or continue to market in what was the old world, we're in a brave new world now, really won't succeed. There's not going to be much longevity for them. So what about revenge spend? Yes, well, revenge spend is very interesting. Um, And it's interesting what it's doing to the economy. Obviously, to curb inflation, the Reserve Bank is continuing to lift its interest rates. But it hadn't actually accounted for revenge spending. So if you think for two years, those overseas travellers, those people that would have made capital purchases, that have not been able to do that either because of demand or because of supply or a lack of um, even uh, finding product and raw materials to even produce the item. I mean, we only have to look at the waiting list for a new car, six months plus. That's right. They reinvested that money. And so when they emerged, because some people really did not want to purchase them digitally, you know, 50% of consumers that were actually interviewed by Accenture said 50% want to go back into a retail environment and 50% don't. They want to be met at the digital doorstep. So when they were released into the marketplace, they were like a bull in a china shop. They were going to spend, they were going to spend big, they were going to buy the big ticket luxurious items. They were going to do anything to make themselves feel good, feel better, feel like they can actually do something and hence why we've got revenge spending. So it's important to identify and understand where the market your customer is sitting in and what their finances might be and their finance outlook because that's how you would take advantage of something and that's certainly not something that people have been taking into account when telling their brand story or taking care of their marketing. Absolutely not. And the mistake that some brands are actually making is they're misinterpreting revenge spending as that this is what is yet to come and will continue, but it won't. It will level off. So those brands that are gouging consumers taking advantage of this revenge spending will get a rude shock when they stop spending with them. However, those brands that have taken into consideration to cultivate the relationship with them, to seed their, the brand in the heart and the minds of the consumer will certainly be rewarded by the continuous spend. So we need to be very mindful of how the consumer is spending right now is not a sign of how they'll continue to spend. Right. So the 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 worm that's on the screen on consumer spending is is certainly it's gone up, but it will level out. And Good. brands need to be aware and ready to keep their brand story alive and top of mind so that they continue in the market with that consumer spend. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Stella. That's another episode of SME TV. That was our brand guru, Stella Gennato from Brands for Brands. We'll look forward to seeing all of you next time.